Hello, this is Kenny DeMoss, principal of Parkersburg High School, and your host of the Big Red Podcast. Why are we doing a podcast? It's simple. We want you, the listeners, our community, to get to know the students and staff behind the scenes. We also want you to learn about awesome things going on in our Big Red community. So let's get this started. Let's go Big Reds. This episode is brought to you by Marshall's Barbershop, located at 1724 20th Street here in Parkersburg, West Virginia. Give them a call at 304-485-9943. Ask for Marshall. I like to welcome to the show today one of my favorite people. He might be top three in my entire existence. Oh, no. The legendary James E. Hamrick III, our former athletic director and assistant principal, and one of my very dear friends. Welcome to the show, buddy. Well, that was awful nice saying all those things, Mr. DeMoss, but yes, I do feel welcome. I, I was just telling your secretary out front, there's probably nowhere I go in my life that I feel any more welcome than at Parkersburg High School. Well, you and you and your wife, Margie, mean a lot to our community. Even though you are from Rowan County, we don't hold that against you. So kind of give... There are listeners who don't know Jim Hamrick. I can't imagine there's anybody that listens to this podcast that doesn't know Jim Hamrick. But kind of give our listeners your background. Like, you know, where, where'd you go to college? What'd you do? What was your your path to get here as first, an athletic director? Right, right. First of all, I do want to say this before I get into that, that you guys here make me feel like a hero because you give me a good parking place no matter what event's going on. <laughs> You give me a good seat. Uh, you treat me like a king, and I really don't know what I did to deserve that. And uh, but I appreciate it. And uh, the fans at sporting events are always nice to me. Glad to see me. Uh, I feel more welcome here than I do anywhere in America. That's and pretty that, amazing. And I go a lot of places. You do. And I even go home to Spencer. But there's no feeling like I get here. Okay, enough of that. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I was a student at Spencer High School when I graduated. I don't know how they probably just let me go through because class I, was, of, I was not a class of nineteen sixty five. Yeah, baby. And I was not a good student. And my mother, who was a former teacher, she um, she knew I wasn't and, and uh, a good student, and she tried to make me be a good student. And that's kind of hard to do when you got everybody laughing at you and you're kind of goofball in class. But she wanted me to go to college. Vietnam was just kind of firing up about the time. And she certainly didn't want me to go in the military because they would have put me right out front as a leader and I'd probably been shot. Well, you're not a small so, human. Yeah, that's right. But anyway, she knew all that. And she wanted me to go to either prep school or junior college or a school that's small in size. 
that maybe I would get some individual attention that I normally wouldn't get in college. And I was a decent athlete. I played football and made second team All-State. And I was a basketball player and averaged about 15 my senior year. And I was a baseball player, played first base and bad fifth. And we played on an undefeated team that got beat in the finals of the regional by one run for a chance to go to the state tournament, which was very shocking to me. How, how tall are you, Jim? Well, 6'5". Now I'm down about 6'4". I keep <laughs> shrinking for some reason. But anyway, um, I got a lot of offers from uh, West Virginia schools to play football. Not WVU, but I did get a full ride offer to Marshall. And uh, my mother just, she didn't like that. She knew I would go there and be the playboy there as well <laughs> so uh and a lot of my friends were going there and she did not she wanted me to get away from my friends and uh she was so intelligent she was so smart in that so we visited several places in the east but there was this one school that sent me an airline ticket to come visit them and it was a small junior college in oklahoma and the University of Tulsa had really recruited me, and they, they wanted me to come there and play football. They were throwing the ball over the place in 1965 and 6. A little bit unbelievable, but they, they did. And they wanted to make a tight end out of me, so they sent me down. And I accepted the scholarship. It sounded so good to be going to Oklahoma, from Spencer, West Virginia, to Oklahoma to play football. It sounded good. So I went out there, and it was a small school out in the sticks and uh it just i don't know there's something about it that i thought some outer force forced me to go there or you know it was destiny it was and lo and behold the best thing i got out of it and i got a degree from the junior college stayed on at northeastern state oklahoma did not play football there but went there and graduated but the best thing i got out of oklahoma was not a degree was not a different set of friends was not the knowledge of another state it was my wife margie i brought her back to west virginia with me that was absolutely the best move i ever made in my life we've been married 56 years now and i've had three children seven grandchildren a couple great grandchildren so far and i just hope i live long enough to see more so that's kind of a small capsule of what happened to me and i i, I got back i got a job in roan county at the at 69 i was a head football coach at walton high school and i really didn't know much PE about. teacher yeah well I was social studies social to begin studies. with and then they came and got me one day and say, we, you belong in the gym. <laughs> so that's where I ended up. And I don't think I was doing a bad job of social studies, but I think they had somebody else that was a little better to teach it. And at Walton High School, you were glad to get a body, let alone right. someone knew what they were doing. Not even open anymore. Yeah. We consolidated with Spencer in 1997. So, so you, I was at Roan County High School for uh, five years before I so tell came here. Everybody about the legendary your son's senior season. Oh, of you coaching that was and just all in that. playing. Yeah, 
Well, I watched that group of kids grow up together, and I knew they were going to be good, and I kept hanging in there waiting on them, you know. And we had good teams at Spencer. We always seemed to win seven or eight games every year, but never really get the big time. And I had some good teams. I mean, I might have some teams that were better than the 91 team that went 14 and up. The first team in West Virginia to go 14 and up. Uh, there's a little storyline behind that too. But anyway, my son ended up and his friends ended up, one of them being Brett Powell, who works here in, in Wood County, is a behavior specialist. And Lord and I, he knows how to be a behavior. <laughs> uh, he and Jay got in so much trouble whenever <laughs> they were in high school, but they could always smile and get their way out of it. But anyway, we uh, we had a good team, and we had some struggles that year. We had a kid get hurt that really uh, we had to reshuffle some things, but it was the only injury we had the whole year, and that was unbelievable. Uh, played about 15 kids is all I played, both offense and defense. You know, they all went both ways just about. And we went all the way to the finals. We beat Larry McLeod and Buffalo Wayne in the semifinals at Lady Field one night. And I, I really thought Buffalo Wayne was the best team in the state, regardless of class. But somehow we beat him 35-14, and Jay scored five touchdowns himself, which at that time was a record. It's been broken since then. But we went on to the state championship game against Greenbrier West, got behind 16 to nothing at half, ended up winning. Uh, 31 to 22, I believe, was the final score. We had two defensive touchdowns in the second half. But it was a celebration in Spencer that has never been seen before or since. My dad told me there was a big celebration at the end of World War II. He said that this one was the state championship in Spencer. Was much Had a bigger. big parade for you. Yeah, at midnight. It's unbelievable. Oh, it's amazing. I came into town and I knew nothing about it. And I saw all these emergency vehicles at the edge of town. I thought, my God, it must have been a big wreck. And they stopped us. Got us <laughs> off a bus. It was about 20 degrees. No, it was about 40 degrees. Got us up on top of those fire trucks and down through town. We went. And I'm telling you, everybody that was at the game was at the parade. And we celebrated about 2 o'clock in the morning. Went over to the high school and had a big bonfire. It was uh, amazing. Now, did anybody ever videotape that parade? That you, have you I'm sure it? there is, but I've not seen it. No, I did not. I don't know anything about it. Jim, so how did you become the athletic yeah. director at Parkersburg High School? Tell me that story. Yeah, I was um, I was vice principal at Braxton County High School for a couple of years, and one day they had a they had some administrators go down to the National Guard at Charleston. And they were going to take us on one of those big airplane rides. And I was on there with Doug Tiger. <laughs> and Doug and I knew each other through athletics. So I sat with him. He said, you know, Hayden's retired. You ought to apply for that job. I said, oh, hell, I couldn't get that. You know, they probably got 20 people lined up to do that job. He said, I don't know. So I, I did look into it and had a couple people that were, uh, Boyd County people that were really interested in it. And I really think they wrote the qualifications for one of the particular guys, and it had to be certain things. You had, in number one, uh, and I got questioned about this, or at least my daughter did, who came up and applied for me because I was busy being assistant principal. But 
Number one, you had to have been a coach for a number of years. And of course, I qualified there. You had to have been an athletic director. Qualified there. You had to have been an administrator. I qualified there. And it just went on and on about six different things. You just checked every box. And it was like it was written for me. <laughs> and of course, then it came to Bill Nidey. And Bill Nidey was the principal. Well, he and I, he from Clendon, me from Spencer, 30 miles apart. We had participated against each other and kind of knew each other. Probably dated the same girls or something like that. You know? <laughs> and we knew each other. Uh, he really knew Margie better than he knew me because Margie was an administrator before I was. And she'd go to conferences and stuff. And Bill, being on the prowl like he always was, he, he, he got to know Margie. And so, he, you know, I knew Bill first, of course. But anyway, uh, he said, you really interested in this? And I said, yeah, I really am. He said, well, you know, we're going to have to jump through a few hoops before we get to you. I said, well, whatever. I said, can I, you know, and he said, and he indicated that he really wanted me to be the athletic director, but there were some things he had to do. Sure. And I said, can I come and watch Mr. Hayden? He said, no, don't you come. He said, because then they'll think, everything right. been set in stone right so i was not allowed to even come so uh dyke golf was president of the board or on the board at that time and, and dyke was on my corner because he'd been an athlete here at williamstown when i was athlete here at spencer he knew me knew i could do the job and he told everyone on the board that, that. so it came down to it there's a couple of those guys that were from wood county they kind of took themselves out of them they figured out they were going to have to give about 24 hours a day of their life to this job sure. and it's not just a teaching job it's not a, a, a eight o'clock to three o'clock job i mean at three o'clock you're that's when you're the business it's when you start yeah that's when you start but you had to be here from eight to three to take care of things in the gym and in the stadium and the traffic and the supervision and all that stuff. And he really used to me off on the old time, tell me I had to come to an assembly over here in the school when I had a thousand things to do over there in the, in, in the field house. But I had a, I had a great, 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 and I got, I got hired. I got hired. It was five nothing vote, you know, and it was kind of controversial because I wasn't a big red. And there, some of those other people were big reds and I, I don't know that I got hired over them, but I got hired, and I wasn't a big red. And Patty Miser, the secretary, made me a big red. She knew what it took. Oh, yeah. And she knew. And it, it was a year. My first year was kind of tumultuous because I wasn't a big red. And people would come in there with doubts. And, of course, I'd smile and talk. It wasn't harsh, and I, it ended up a dream job, actually. But the first year was kind of tough because I didn't know what to expect, and they didn't know what they, being the public, didn't know what to expect of me. And at that time, we had a lot of traffic come to the field house, buying tickets, uh, checking out what, what activities we had. Just there were a thousand things that I had to get used to renting renting the field house approving different things i'd never done that before but i jumped into it and with patty's help we made it and i ended up man we had a cooking show we had a couple presidents visit 
We had all uh, circus. We had all kinds of stuff in that field house. Mm -hmm. It was like the Civic Center of Parkersburg, West Virginia. You're exactly right. And I was not used to that, but I got used to it in a hurry because if I hadn't done it, yeah. You know, a lot of people don't know is tr the tradition for athletic directors is that they're not graduates. Um, if you go back to Mike Caden, he graduated from Parkersburg. And, you know, Sam Mandy. Sam Mandy. He was not. He's a weird, he's a weird yeah. guy. And if you go back through history, yeah. when when we hired uh, Phil Wilson as our new basketball coach, I have went back clear to the 30s and have not found a grad that ever coached the boys basketball wow. team. Now you think about that. Yeah, that's it's it's almost unbelievable to think about. Um, and I'm not saying it's 100 percent accurate. I'm just going through the yearbooks, but you know it's. I think Lori Lowers might have been our first grad we had in a long time be the athletic yeah. director. Yeah. So, I mean, you've had a tumult. I mean, you've had just a tremendous and maybe a tumultuous career, uh, ups and downs, highs and lows. I want to say two words to you, and I want you to tell me how it makes you feel. Bill Nyday. Uh, he was the ultimate principal and superintendent he had a way of getting on with people that was unheard of he had a great personality he liked to smile it didn't bother him to be friendly with people that came in his mm -hmm. office i learned so much from him he's a uh, you know when i first got into teaching and and he offered me my first head coaching job as a freshman boys coach at Hamilton. And when I first got into teaching and subbing, he got me long terms when he was at Blunder Hassett. He got me uh, three long terms when I was here at PHS uh, before I became a, a, a regular full-time classroom teacher. I mean, I just think the world of him. I mean, he is, to me, you know, we've had a lot of good principals uh, be in this building, but he sets the bar pretty high. There's no doubt. No doubt about it. I didn't know what to expect from him. I knew him as a friend. I didn't know him as a working relationship type of guy. He met he he met all my And Bill's real subtle. Like he knows how to tell you what he wants real quick without like being mad at you. Like like he just tells you what the expectation is. And he can chew your ass out. <laughs> Oh man. So what's your favorite memory as athletic? I'm sure you have a ton of them. What's your favorite memory well, being an athletic I, director? The one I'll never Here. forget. And it, 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 it's a different type of things that you don't forget is when I first got hired, I think I got hired on a, maybe a two zero Thursday night and Parkersburg high was in the state championship game in Wheeling in football playing Riverside and uh, nobody told me much about where to be, when to be, or how to be because I really hadn't even been in my office yet. I wasn't going to go there until that following Monday. Uh, I had to resign and everything at Braxton County. It was right before the Christmas break so it made the cutoff really nice but anyway went to that game and for some reason I had this all-weather jacket that really kept me warm and dry and it happened to be purple 
the same color as the <laughs> I bet that looked good wearing down there. I was up on the top row trying to be unassuming and un whatever uh, at, on Parkersburg High Side, and I could just feel darts coming my way. You know, they're throwing daggers at me wearing that purple oh, jacket. Man. And the, everyone, that's our new athletic director up there. And he's wearing purple. And I'm like, oh, gosh. I, that was a bad choice. And where I came from, what you wore and everything wasn't that big of a deal. But right. Parkersburg High, it is a big deal. What you wear, what color you wear, when you wear it, and everything. So I had to get used. I had to overcome that. That was unforgettable. You retired in what year? I retired in 06, but I, they kept bringing me back because of uh, other outside influences. And uh, uh, really about 07 or maybe the end of 06 is about when I finally, you know, got retired. But I've been back every year since. So it's 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 it has marked me as over 50 years of experience uh, in education all my life. It's all I've done. I remember one time. I told my dad I was going to go to another profession, do something else, and make more money. He said, you don't know how to do anything else. You've been in that 30 years now. Why do you think you can do something else? You better stay with what you got. I know one of the most pivotal things you ever said to me, and I know it's not that story. Oh, okay. Uh, one of the most pivotal things you ever said to me is when I applied for the boys' job when Clyde retired, yeah. and there was a lot of really good applicants. And... Um, you had, and I obviously I did not get that job, and I didn't real honestly didn't expect, but I wanted to go through the process. And I had been a girl's assistant for 14 years. You looked at me and said, If you don't become a head coach, go get out of this building and become a head coach on the basketball team somewhere, you'll never get the girl's job. Yeah. And that set hard. I mean, that's that was hard because I didn't want to leave and I left. It was like the next day I got a phone call, like I didn't even apply for the job, and I got a phone call, and they were talking to Warren Local in Washington County and I went there for two years and made a lot of great friends and made a lot of tremendous strides there and personally and professionally and because of that advice I would have probably never took that job and then the, when Don Stansberry retired then I came back and became the new girls head coach and I, I would have never done that if it wasn't for you. And uh, That was good advice and there were some good applicants I'll never forget that when we hired you and uh, your resume at Warren was really good. Mm -hmm. And you were a head coach, and maybe some of the others were, hadn't been head coaches. That's exactly right. So that, and that's, that worked out. And I think that's important. You yeah. know, that's important to have head coach experience. When oh, you absolutely. It's a totally different than being an assistant coach. Jim, you have one of my all-time favorite stories, and maybe Margie doesn't want the whole world to know this story, but I want you to tell our listeners the infamous, I left my wife. Oh, Kenny, I that takes so long to tell. It's okay. It has so many details. It's all right. I'll leave some of them out. Okay. In short, our two daughters, Amy and Lori, spent the summer at their grandparents' house in Oklahoma. And we 
went to Marshall University, and we're going to uh, going to get our master's degree. I get another master's degree. So, no, this is our first master's degree because Jay was just about three or four years old. So, uh, we were going out to get them and bring them back. It was the end of the summer. So, I had CB, and we were talking on CB riding, and Steve Fetty, a dear friend of mine, had been, and I built a bed in the back of my van. It's kind of over behind the back seat. And she'd been up studying all night, doing her finals. And, of course, I went on the bed. I knew I was going to drive the next day. I knew I could do all right. So, Chief Margie and Jay. Yeah. Okay. And the three of us are in this big van. We're going out to Oklahoma. Well, uh, she went back there in that bed and went to sleep before we even got out of West Virginia. We left from Huntington before we got to Serena Canova. She was asleep in the back seat. So we drove on and on and had a good time. Jay was up front with me. He was just four years old. This was like in 1977 or something like that. And uh, we got to Memphis and I turned my CD off because I didn't want to hear all that. Yak yak, you know, <laughs> a lot of noise on yeah. the yeah. So we got to West Memphis, and I said something like, Margie, we're in West Memphis, Arkansas now. You want to, we're going to stop here at this roadside uh, rest area, and we're going to use the restroom. So she said, Oh, y'all go ahead. I'm okay. Just leave me alone because we've been throwing things at her. But anyway. <laughs> Tortured her. Yeah. So we got, and we went in that rest area, and we got back, and we got in the car, and down the road we went. I stopped at Little Rock and got gas. I said, Jay, don't bother your mother. She's mad at us. We've been throwing things. So he said, okay. So we got gas and went on. So I got down there to about, oh, I can't remember the name of that town. It was getting about 10 o'clock at night by that time. I said, we're going to stop and get a sandwich before, you know, that would put us, we were about two hours from her mom and dad's house. That way we wouldn't have to bother them to get something to eat. So I said, Jay, go back and wake your mother up. We're going to stop. He came back and said, Dad, Mom's not back there. I thought, oh my God, when did I last talk to her? Where did I leave her? So we hustled and turned around and went back to the gasoline station there in Little Rock, outside east of Little Rock. And by that time, it's 11 or 12 o'clock, and that exit had shut down. There was only one place open, it was a motel. So I went over there thinking, well, if I left her at that gas station, she went over to the motel, maybe and got her room. So I went over there, and as soon as I walked in, that guy said, my God, buddy, what's wrong with you? I must be quiet as a sheep. I said, I've lost my wife. He said, what? So he said, sit down here. We'll call the sheriff. We'll get this worked out. And yeah, I could hear him on the phone. He said, yeah, we've been looking for guy all night long. Where is he? And he said, his wife's back in West Memphis. How far was that from where you were? How many miles was it? All the way across the state of Arkansas. Oh, probably, it was probably, a, I don't know, five hours across. Oh, Lord. Yeah. But by the time I got back to Little Rock and where I was at, it was probably just three hours. So so let me just ask you a question. Now, I'm thinking about if anybody who's listening to this who's married. 
<laughs> if you leave your spouse along the, along the road, we don't have, you don't have a cell phone, you have no way to contact them, and you're five hours away, and you realize it, and you drive five hours back, and, you know, I, I'm not married, but I know exactly what a spouse person, uh, nine times out of ten, is going to do. Oh, you're or going to get chewed out, you're going to yeah. out, you're gonna yeah. get whatever. So what happened? Well, I got back to the county in which West Memphis, Arkansas is in, and ironically called Memphis County uh, in Arkansas. So uh, I saw a state policeman along the road there. So I came to a skidding halt, you know, after traveling about 100 miles an hour. I came to a skidding halt and backed up, and out of the darkness, she was in that car. Out of the darkness, here she came. On the side of the road, probably scared to work. 40, and I thought, oh man, this is it. And she just hugged me, and I hugged her, and we were just glad that that night was over with. But actually, it wasn't over with, but this was like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, you know. Never said a no word to you or anything? Well, actually, we stopped and got coffee because we were both just mentally drained. And I said, Margie, I've driven across this state twice tonight. Would you mind driving this time? <laughs> I left you. Will you drive? <laughs> she said, if you're over there, let me take over. So she drove into her mom and dad's house, and it was about five or six in the morning, still dark. And the little girl was about eight o'clock. Came out. We just sat in the van, and slept a little bit, and then the girls came out and said, "We thought you were gonna be here last night." I said, "Yeah, I thought we were gonna be here last night too." Oh man! But that was a night from hell, if there ever was one. It was so much indecision and so much thinking. I mean, I thought of everything, and everything I thought of was bad, but. We never said a crossroad to word to each other. I never said a cross word to each other. We were married for a long time. I, I, that's awesome, man. I mean, yeah. And I've told that story multiple times. And a lot of people will say, What were you thinking? How come you didn't check on her? And others say, Well, she should have told you where she was going. <laughs> so it, it's like about 60 40 in her favor. <laughs> <laughs> oh my land! Uh, you know, you, I mean, you think I could never happen to you? I never thought that something like that would ever happen yeah. to me. Because I, I really, I pay attention to stuff traveling, but that ain't got by me. Well, in this day and age, it wouldn't happen. Uh, She'd have called you. Yeah, I'm right. Yeah. Now you, uh, you're a long time out there, fam. Yes. You have season tickets. Basketball and football. Right? Yes, yes, yes. What's what's uh? You have a preference which one you like to go watch? Margie likes basketball much better because it's a two depend on a two hour game and being home in a couple hours here in Harrisburg. So uh, I guess I like it because she likes it. But <laughs> I, I'm a football guy, and I, I really suffer with the Mountaineers because they've been very disappointing the last few years. So it's been a suffer suffrage. Now, so when, uh, and, you know, make sure you, you say this with as, as clean language as yeah, you I'll can. Try, I'll clean it up. When you have people like Mike DeRose, <laughs> who's a pit fan, and he always reminds us of that 07 game, right, 2007, uh, 
<laughs> what, what, how do you feel about that? I've never known anyone that was a pit fan. I have been taught all my life that they're bad people. And my dad said they may have tails on them, you know, they're just, they're different. And I, what I can't believe here in Wood County is there are a lot of Pittsburgh Steelers fans. And how could you be a pit hater but be a Pittsburgh Steeler lover? I don't understand that. Right. I've never known anything from Pittsburgh that was any good. <laughs> I just, you know, I don't understand that. And including my growth, so good either. <laughs> but I love him for some reason. Oh, yeah. One of my most memorable years is when I had Mr. Kisner and Jason Potts. They were both assistant principals and they had moved on to other positions and I was stuck. I didn't have yeah. anybody that could move in and apply for those jobs. And I had you and DeRose here all year, <laughs> seven. And my God, I never had so much fun in my life. Oh, we made it. Oh, it was awesome. It was looking forward. I look forward to coming every day. Of course, I always do, but that was a special year. Yeah. We did have fun. And the kids enjoyed us, too. And that was the main thing. We kept things on. Oh, we, de- we definitely kept everybody on our toes. And we had a lot of good stories, yeah. for sure. Um, what is it, if, you, if your parents were standing here right now, what do you think they would say about you? Boy, that is a tough question. I, my mother would be extremely proud because she wasn't sure I was ever going to make it out of high school. I remember her going to the guidance counselor time after time trying to find something that would motivate me to be more serious as a student. My dad, uh, he always thought I should get in uh, early on before I got into high school teaching and coaching. He thought I'd never make any money and I'd doing this because you're working for someone. He never did like that. He, he always thought I should have a business of my own. And I always felt he maybe was a little disappointed in me, but maybe not now. Maybe not now because I used my degree and used my experience to uh, be able to make a pretty good living for my family. Okay, you... Uh you have a golf group you play. Well, you have I play, used, to, you used yeah. to play golf with Don, Donnie Fossman. Yeah. And who else is in that group? Oh, there's a bunch of guys, uh, a lot of South guys out there because, you know, I live out in Mineral Wells. So, uh, uh, Bear plays with you. Yeah, Steve Wiseman. Uh, you have you, Mike Craig, Frazier. Mike Snagle, who passed oh, away. Oh, yeah, Mike, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then there's some guys that are not in education. Yeah. Uh, Danny Trivola. Randy Edge. Randy Edge. Oh, he's a dandy. Uh, Harvey Cornish plays. He's probably the best golfer in our group. Three or four other guys. And we, we, we met every Tuesday and Thursday, and they're still doing that. But I've had some balance problems, equilibrium problems, though. I've kind of dropped out. As a matter of fact, I called a news conference the other day on my back porch to announce my retirement. No one showed up. I went ahead and announced my retirement from golf. Now, you're the commissioner of the MSAC. I am. I love it. And yeah. you are, how many years have you been doing that? Well, since uh, Mr. Aldridge died in uh, 2017, so 
it will be uh, seven years this this summer. And the Big Reds have been a, a, one of the primary bookends of that since its existence. Right. Um, there have been a lot of teams that have come and gone in that conference just due to, you know, drop in population or, or whatever reason. What is it that you like about being the commissioner? The camaraderie among all the athletic directors and principals of the school. We have confidence in each other. Uh, nobody's there to uh, tell a big tale or do any mistruths. We're very honest with each other and upfront. If somebody messes up, we can call them out and, and not be enemies. But um, and I, I love it that I've got uh, a couple guys that really help me out a lot. One being Doug Spry, who handles all my officials and their problems, and he's an ex-official himself, so. He knows how to handle that that generation of, of human beings, and uh, <laughs> uh, then we have Terry Porter, who's our secretary treasurer, and he's kind of a quiet guy, but at the same time, he gives his opinion when it's necessary. And he is a retired athletic director at from Spring Valley, and I got Bryce Casto, Casto who runs the. Uh, electronic part of our conference, our web page, and keeps that up to date, and we talk almost daily. So uh, it's not a one-man job, but at the same time, we take it very seriously, and we always try to make decisions that are in the best interest of the students at the Mountain State Conference. I got two more questions for you. If you could go back to any point in time in history, anytime or present, and you could meet one person. It doesn't matter whether they're alive or deceased. Who would that be, and why? Well, you know, I'm a good Republican. All right. And I started out in my life as Dwight D. Eisenhower being one of my heroes, and he was an excellent president, a former military guy, born right out there in Texas, in northern Texas, and raised in Kansas. As a matter of fact, I did a term paper on him in English, and I really would like to have met him, or I would like to meet him. And, uh, of course, all the Republican presidents, even Richard Nixon, I thought he was outstanding. He got into a jam there. But, uh, both, of, uh, both of the guys from Texas, I'd love to have met them. As a matter of fact, we hosted one of them here mm -hmm. in the field, or in, on the field, at Stadium Field. Bush. Yeah. We had both, did we have both Bushes here? I think they both were here. And we had Reagan here. Yeah. Well, you weren't here in Reagan. No, but I would, Ronald Reagan was another one. So all those Republican guys, I'd like to line them up and just talk to each one of them, have them hear some of my stories as well as me hear theirs. So, nah, there are others, you know. I'd love to hear, I'd love to talk to O.J. Simpson and find out what he really did. <laughs> Uh, Jim Brown was a, was a real hero of mine. Of course, in Spencer in the 1950s and 60s, you only got one television station, and that was the Cleveland Browns on Sunday, you know. And oh, he was a hero of mine. He could run that football. He had a hard time getting up. He'd get up slow. He'd be ready to go the next play. And he was very much. One time, my dad took me to Mountaineer Field, and I watched Sam Huff. 
and Jim Brown go out each wow. other in 1957, I think. And I think the Mountaineers won that game six to nothing, and they had a goal line standing right in front of where we were sitting. And Jim Brown stuck. I mean, Sam Huff's stuck Jim Brown about three different times to keep him out of the end. That's amazing. Yeah. And I remember that game very well. As a matter of fact, I remember at Mountaineer Field, somebody down at the end of the row would get a bottle of whiskey and they'd take a drink and pass it on. It might come to you. Of course, I was young. I didn't take a drink. Everybody would take a drink out of the same bottle and just pass it on down. That guy never did get it back. Oh, Jesus. So you know, eventually somebody else's would come through and right. get a drink out of it. That's the way things were around their field. Oh, it's crazy. Oh, it's funny. Fine. Last question. What what does once a big red, always a big red mean to you? A run county guy, former AD, you're a true big red at heart. What does it mean to you? Well, it means that they finally have accepted me into their fraternity. (laughs) Or their, uh, or whatever. It means that you're in a fraternity or a club or an organization that is accepted very highly and uh, not everybody can be that and I understand that and I accept that but I'm glad to be that and uh, it humbles me to know that somehow most, most of the people that know me know that I accept that once a big red, always a big red, and I always will be. You know, I uh, I want to say this before we end our show. Uh, we 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 have a lot of good laughs. You know, we're Bengals fans. We've been highs and lows, and and uh, you know, with all the Who Day Nation, and you know, we both love the Reds and the Mountaineers, and and uh, but I would say that uh, without a doubt. That stuff doesn't matter because I just love you as a human being. You are a tremendous man. Uh, you, you know, if I had to pick a dad that wasn't really my dad, you know, my dad's still alive and he's my father. But if I had to pick a man to be my father, it would be you because you have taught me so much on how to be an administrator, how to be a coach, how to be a leader. Uh, I mean, you. I really think highly of you, and you know I love you, and I'm just glad you're still coming around, hanging out with us, and uh, subbing when you can. It's my honor. It's my honor, and you're doing a great job here at Parkersburg High School, and I tell my wife every day, I'm so lucky to still be alive. I'm lucky Clint DeMoss is the principal <laughs> because he has confidence in me that I'm not going to do something stupid. <laughs> I might talk stupid. But I appreciate everything you've done for me and uh, I accept. I want to wish you and Margie and Jay and all of your daughters and everybody else in your family a happy holiday and thank you for coming on the show, Big Jim. You are welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. And that's Jim Hamrick, our former athletic director. And if you're wondering what all those things were during the conversation, he's such a popular man that he is nonstop getting texts, phone calls, and everything else. Even at his age, he's still a very popular person. So we thank you, and thanks for listening.
probably the best way to describe Jim Hamrick if you've never met him before is that he is not only a big man but he's got a big heart and I hope someday Jim you write a book and you make sure in that book of all of your tall tales which always seem to have the same ending and it doesn't matter how you get there they're great stories but you make sure in that book that you write a chapter about how Mike DeRose, our wonderful Steelers fan, got lost in the stairwell. You and Margie mean the world to our Big Red community. You mean the world to me. You guys have done so much for kids and our staff and our community. You mean the world not only to us, but you mean the world to a lot of people across the state of West Virginia. I hope that you and your family have a wonderful holiday. And thank you very much for coming on this podcast. It's been my pleasure, Big Jim. We love you, buddy. If you are hearing this message, you have listened to the entire podcast from beginning to end. And for that, I thank you. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or a share or a comment, which helps more Big Red fans find us. If you're interested in donating to our school, please call 304-420-9595. You can visit our foundation website at ParkersburgHighSchoolFoundation.org. Please follow us on all of our social media platforms at the School of Champions or at the PHS Big Reds. From all of us here at PHS to all of our Big Red listeners, this is Mr. DeMoss, your principal, saying once a Big Red, always a Big Red.